be great if you could keep that passage open from Matthew chapter 13. We started to look at it last week, and we're going to finish it off tonight. So, Matthew chapter 13. It's white sweet tonight. I might need more room so I can pace up and down. Let's pray. Father, we know that you're already here by your Spirit, but Father, I want to ask that for every single one of us, there will be something in our hearts that says, Holy Spirit, will you please speak to me? God, will you speak to me tonight? Because I need to hear what you want to say to me. I need to hear you speak into my life. So, Father, please would you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Two questions. Two questions for you that I reckon every single one of us who's ever had anything to do with Christianity for any length of time will have asked or be asking. And if you haven't asked it yet, you will do. Two questions are these about Christianity. Number one, is it real? Is it real? There's all kinds of fake stuff out there. And people make impressive claims about all kinds of things, things that can change your life. And Christianity says, Jesus says, he can change your life. Turn it around. Is it real? And the second one, is this, is it worth it? Is it worth giving your life to follow Jesus Christ? Because Jesus says, if you want to be a follower of mine, you've got to follow me, the whole of you. And that will turn your life upside down. It will change everything. It will affect everything. And sometimes it will be hard. Is it worth it? So two questions, is it real? Is it worth it? Does that ring any bells anywhere? Is it real? Is it worth it? Let's have a look at the first question. Is it real? Is it real? Three things that every follower of Jesus needs to know about this question. First one is this. When Jesus came, the kingdom broke in. Something changed. There was a new dynamic in the world. It was possible to have a new experience of life that was going to change everything. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. Three things that everybody needs to know. Number one, nothing can stop the growth of of the kingdom. Nothing. Number two, nothing can stop the transforming impact of the kingdom. That is of the gospel, of the news of Jesus Christ, of the work of Christ. Nothing can stop the impact of the kingdom and that will ultimately change everything, affect everything. Nothing can stop that. So nothing can stop the growth of the kingdom. Nothing can stop the transforming impact of the kingdom. 
Here's the third thing. You won't see all this until the end. (laughs) You won't see it all in its completeness until the end. You won't see the full flowering of the kingdom, the full extent of the kingdom until the end. And you won't see how the kingdom of Jesus Christ changes everything until the end. You notice Jesus tells some stories here. First one that we've heard about is about the weeds. I'm going to come back to that. But you notice he tells two others straight after the weeds. He talks about a mustard seed and he talks about... um, What was the other one? The dough, that's right, the dough, yes. This is why it's really good to stick to your notes, you know. (laughs) Really good to stick to your notes. You know, I never do. First of all, the mustard seed. It's there in verses 31 and 32. So so here you have this mustard seed, and, and actually... Unless you've got really good eyesight, you can't see a mustard seed because it's really, really small. And so you have this tiny, tiny mustard seed, Jesus says, and, and you kind of hold on to it carefully because it could easily be lost and blown away and you plant it and it turns out to, the, to be the largest of the kitchen bushes, trees, so that birds come and make their nests in the tree. That's an amazing change, isn't it? From a tiny mustard seed that nobody can see unless they look very carefully. So easily missed. Until it comes to the point where in the kitchen garden, you can't miss it. It dominates everything. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like that. What's he saying? Nothing but nothing can stop the growth of the kingdom. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to know that. Because there'll be times when you think the kingdom isn't doing anything. God isn't at work. Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. And Jesus says, I want you to know that one day the kingdom of heaven will be the only show in town. Be the only show in town. Nothing can stop the growth of the kingdom. The second is this. Nothing can stop the transforming impact of the kingdom, and it will change everything. And so he says, here's an example. A woman takes a little piece of dough, and she has lots and lots of flour, and I I presume she mixes with a bit of water as well, and she puts the dough into the flour, and there it is. It's a small amount of dough, but what does it do? It multiplies until it's impacted every part of that mixture. And changed it. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like that. This message about Jesus, this coming of Jesus, this impact of what he's done through his life and his death on the cross, it's going to transform everything. There is no part of the world of anything that will not ultimately be impacted by the gospel. Nothing can stop the growth of the kingdom. Nothing can stop the transforming impact of the kingdom. Every disciple of Jesus needs to know that because it doesn't always look like that. It's going to impact everything and one day it will be the only show in town. I watched uh, 
uh, a video recently of a conversation with a historian who's called Tom Holland. Tom Holland specializes in the classical period in history, Romans and Greeks, that kind of thing, and then early antiquity up to the rise of Islam and things like that. You're all experts in that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah you read that. He's, he's, a, he's a smart guy. It, it, the books are really easy to, to read. I do recommend the book on the rise of Islam. But anyway, that's an aside. But here is this conversation with Tom Holland who isn't a follower of Jesus. He says that. And he said one of the interesting things was as he studied Greece and Rome and the early period after the end of Rome and what we call early antiquity, he said, what I came to realize was that it felt more and more an alien place. The attitudes that people had, the casual violence, the way that some people were regarded as worth less and some people were treated with great respect, where Caesar, for example, could go into Gaul, which we call France today, and reputedly kill hundreds of thousands of people and enslave hundreds of thousands of people and come back to Rome writing a book about this, by the way, to say how great I am. And everybody cheers. Genocide is great for your political career. That's what's going on. And Tom Holland said, the more I explored the first this period in classical, in the classical world, the ancient world, there was so much that was intriguing about it. They built great roads and the sewers were good and they brought theaters and circuses. But their values, I realized, were completely different from mine. And this is what he said. I realized that in terms of my values, I was a Christian. What's he saying? He's saying the way that he thinks about people and justice and all those things do not come out of Rome and Greece. They come out of the message about Jesus. They come out of the Gospels. They come out of these parts of the Bible that we call in the New Testament the letters. The letters of Paul, for example, who says there's no longer any Jew nor Greek slave or free, male or female, all are equal. God, God cares equally about everybody. Everybody is valuable in the sight of God. That's amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. That kind of transformation that has taken place so that even people who don't call themselves Christians have been impacted and changed by the message of the gospel. Nothing can stop the growth of the kingdom. Nothing. And nothing can stop the transforming impact of the kingdom. But here's the third thing. You're not going to see it all until the end. Have a look at the text. Will you notice Jesus starts off in this section that Sandra read to us. And he starts off by talking about this example of the weeds. It's there at the bottom of page 979, about the, in verse 24. 
you got the weeds, and, and then you get the mustard seed and you get the dough, and then there's a little bit of conversation. But then notice that he tells them, they ask, the disciples ask a question. They, they say, explain to us, in verse 36, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And then he explains it. So what you've got is this story about the weeds, which has to do with the end. And notice how he finishes. Then the righteous, that is, followers of Jesus, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. The kingdom's growing, and nothing's going to stop it until God has brought it to fulfillment, and it's the only show in town. And the transforming impact of the kingdom is working, even though we can't always see it. In fact, most of the time we can't but it's impacting everything. And it will go on doing that until the end. Do you notice the personal element of this? When the end comes, at that point, the righteous will shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom. What does that mean? It means there's a day coming when you will be able to look back on your life and see that God has been at work in everything. Everything. In the good times and in the bad times, in the times when you sensed he wasn't there, in the times when you had to make challenging decisions that you didn't want to make, at the times when you wondered whether the kingdom really was for real, when Jesus was for real, whether it was working for you, whether God had done anything, and one day you'll look back and say God's been at work in everything. What Jason said was great. 31 years. Do you remember remember what Johnny said about that? God has been at work for 31 years, 30 years in Jason's life. It's not that he suddenly turned up when Jason thought, hey, I think Christianity might be a good thing. God's been at work all the time because the kingdom is growing and the transforming power of the kingdom is growing. So please, please, please be encouraged. Every single follower of Jesus needs to know those three things because there's an awful lot that will come to discourage us at times and shake us. The kingdom is growing and nothing can stop it. The kingdom is going to transform everything and one day you are going to shine like the sun. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I would say at this point, have a look at the person next to you and just think in the kingdom, you're not going to be able to look at them because they'll be shining so brightly they'll blind (laughs) you. (laughs) Is it real? Absolutely. Absolutely. What about the second question? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Because you see, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you give the whole of your life to Jesus. It's not about giving part of your life. Sometimes Jesus uses the imagery of 
crucifixion. If anybody wants to be my follower, they must take up their cross and follow me. There's going to be a cost of following Jesus. It's not a cost to get into the kingdom. Have you got that? You don't have to pay anything to become a Christian. You don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all for you in his death on the cross. But once you get in the kingdom, you start living the life of the kingdom. And sometimes that will mean doing things that you don't want to do. And sometimes it will mean not doing things that you really do want to do. And you will want to say, as we said last week, sometimes you want to say, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Because that's going to hurt me. And that's going to disappoint me. And that's not my number one choice. I want to do this. So is it worth it? Jesus gives two examples here. And the first two tell us that the greatest thing you can give your life to is following Jesus. The greatest thing that you can give your life to is following Jesus. That is being in the kingdom because there's nothing compares. So he tells two stories. One is about a man who looks at a field and uh, he doesn't own the field, which is very unfortunate because he realizes that there's a treasure buried in the field. Have a look at it. It's verse 44. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. (laughs) So, So imagine this. I don't know, maybe he'd got one of those metal detectors. I don't know. There are strange people who do things like that, aren't there? Go around with metal detectors. So maybe he was trespassing on somebody's field and he's got his metal detector and he goes ping. And so he starts digging and there he finds this amazing treasure. The problem is he doesn't own the field. So the treasure isn't his. So he goes home and he, uh, he says to his wife, um, I've got this cunning plan, dear. It involves selling the house. And the car, and the children, no, not the children. We've just got to sell everything. And his wife says, yes, dear. And locks him up. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes to his neighbors and he says, I want you to lend me money. Better still give me money. And they say, why? And he said, well, I want to buy that field. And they say, which field? And he tells them, and they, he says, and they said to him, well, that field? Why do you want to buy that field? Oh, it's a great field. I mean, it's got grass in it. You know, there's lots of fields that have got grass in them. And it's just grass. Why do you want that field? I mean, it's, it's a nice view, but you want to sell everything in order to buy that field. You're mad. See the point? He looks crazy. It's going to cost him everything. But he knows that there's treasure in the field. And it is worth losing everything he has in order to own the treasure. And then he tells 
A story that emphasizes this in a slightly different way. He tells a story about a pearl merchant. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and brought it home. What's Jesus saying? He is saying that the greatest thing you can give your life to is following Jesus. It's to the kingdom. It's being part of the kingdom. It's the greatest treasure that there is. To know Jesus, to be part of his kingdom, is the most amazing thing. Nothing compares to knowing Jesus and being in his kingdom. And if there are times when in your experience of following Jesus, you sense that there are demands on your life, things that you need to give up, or things that you need to bring into your life, and you're thinking the cost is too great, remember the treasure in the field, and remember the pearl. There's nothing greater that you can give your life to than to be part of the kingdom. But here's the other thing. You won't see all of that until the end. You won't see all of that until the end. And so he finishes with this story about fish. I know zip all about fish except eating them. But this is about fishermen. Verse 47, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad one, the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I just love the way that Jesus is just so confrontational. He's definitely not English. I suspect he's not from Willoughby either. <laughs> The point is he wants to say how serious this is. So here's the example. These fishermen bring up the nets. And in, the nets are collected all kinds of fish and they go through them and some of them they can sell. But some of them they could never sell. They are worthless and they throw them away. What's Jesus saying here? Well, it's this. You may have experiences in life where you ask yourself the question, is it worth the cost of following Jesus? Sometimes you may struggle with that. Sometimes you may be tempted to turn away from Jesus and say it's not worth it. But it is. But you won't know in all its fullness just how amazing that is until the end because you see, at the end, some people who've rejected Jesus and rejected the kingdom are going to be excluded from the kingdom. And there's nothing worse than that. The greatest thing that you can have is to be in the kingdom. And so it's worth everything. So two questions then. Is Christianity stuff Stuff about Jesus changes your life. 
Is it real? It's real. And to remind us of that, we need to remember that nothing can stop the growth of the kingdom because it's real. And nothing can stop the transforming power of the kingdom because it's real. And nothing can stop the transformation that God is doing in your life. But you are not going to know that fully until the end. But one day you will shine. And is it worth it? Absolutely. You may, you may get everything you've ever wanted out of life. Whatever that is. But if at the end of your life you're not part of the kingdom of Jesus, all of that you will lose and you will have nothing. But if you're in the kingdom of Jesus, you have everything, everything, beyond your wildest dreams. Is it real? Yeah. Is it worth it? Absolutely. So what about you? Maybe some of you asking the question, should I take the step of following Jesus because I realize it's a whole life thing? Is it real? Is it worth it? Yeah, it is. So take the step. What are you waiting for? Give your life to Jesus. Some of you may have been on the journey for a long time, some more recently and some of you perhaps feeling a bit discouraged will be encouraged. Nothing can stop the growth of the kingdom. Nothing can stop the transforming power of the kingdom. And it's worth everything you have. So be encouraged. And one day you'll experience it all and know it all for yourself in its fullness. So be encouraged and be courageous too. Because maybe God is saying to some people here tonight, you know, there are some things in your life that you need to deal with. And you're saying, I don't want to do that because it's too costly. It would hurt me too much. Some things that you may need to change. Some things that you may need to do or stop doing. Be courageous. Take the decision. It's real and it's worth it. And the last thing is, share it. Share it. Because people need to hear this. They need to know this. They need to experience it. Do you notice how Jesus ends off this section? Verse 52, he said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. So here's a teacher of the law. So it's first century. It's Jewish setting. A teacher of the law is somebody who knows the Old Testament and can explain it. And what it's all about. But he is an expert in the Old Testament who's come to know Jesus. And that person is now able to talk not just about what God's done in the past and what the Old Testament tells us, but tell the whole story that's new, transforming. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of the kingdom. It's the story of the God who's come to us in Jesus and died for us. The world needs to hear that. So share it. Response? Do you need to take a step?
Do you need to take the encouragement? Face the challenge? Be courageous? And what about following the example of Nat and others who are willing to talk about their experience of Jesus? Share it. Share it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this message about Jesus Christ is for real. It's not just something we talk about. It's not just a series of words. It's not just merely about things that we believe about God and about life and about ourselves and some things that have happened in history. It's about the beginning of a new age, the age of the kingdom. And to be part of that kingdom, to know Jesus and be known by him is the greatest treasure. So Father, please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.